Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Before we dive into this week's episode, I actually have another story for you guys that I want to share uh, that actually happened over the holidays. So I was fortunate enough to get some quality time with my 18-year-old brother, Nick, over Christmas, and we had actually been wanting to create some custom hoodies for a side hustle that the two of us are working on together. And so we sat down on the couch uh, with our masks on, of course, and I watched as Nick actually led the Google search. As he combed through the initial search results for design custom hoodies, I watched as he'd actually go ahead and hit the back button before a couple of the sites even finished loading. What are you doing? I exclaimed after the third time of him doing this. And he said, dude, you know, our internet is great. If the site doesn't load quickly, they're clearly not a reputable e-commerce brand. Now, for the sites that did load in a satisfactory time for Nick, he'd immediately go to the top right corner of the homepage and look for a search bar. And if he couldn't find a search bar or if his initial search didn't return what he was looking for, he'd go ahead and hop back to the search engine result pages. So Nick, like noticing my confusion around his digital behavior, said, dude, again, if they don't make it easy to find what I need via search, I'm going to find someone else who does. No one's got time to make sense of poor website navigation. Now, at the time, I didn't think much of this interaction, but you know, then I stumbled upon a company that is dedicated to tackling the very challenges that Nick encountered on his journey to find the best brand to order a custom hoodie from. And that company happens to be the sponsor of this week's podcast episode, Meet Squiz, a student experience platform that offers a full suite of solutions developed exclusively for higher education. Squiz has so many exceptional products that are worth checking out, but the two that I have been most impressed by is their custom site search product, Funnelback, and their website platform, which is a true DXP. And don't worry, I'll explain what this means momentarily. For Nick's generation, which is really the next wave of digital natives, search is not ancillary to navigation. Search is navigation. And Funnelback enables schools like yours to build custom, smart site search so that your nursing program page actually comes up when someone searches nursing instead of that one nursing faculty event registration page from like two years ago. You guys know which one I'm talking about. And their DXP, so it's so much more than a traditional website CMS. Now, a website CMS is meant for exactly what it claims to be, content management, right? Content management system is what website CMS stands for, by the way. Um, And it's an important part of your MarTech stack and an important part of the student lifecycle. But that's just it. It's an important part. A DXP, which is a digital experience platform, is built to be the hub of your MarTech stack. It relies on powerful integrations, data management, and an open platform in order to create the kind of experiences simply not possible with just a CMS. Or at least impossible without a giant IT web team to support all of the APIs and constant upkeep, yada, yada, yada. So... Say goodbye to the finicky plugins of WordPress and the crappy site architecture of Drupal that, by the way, totally hurts your SEO, and get ready to meet the fastest, the most powerful, and the most personalized website platform for colleges and universities on the market. Today, the student experience begins online, not at school. And as an enrollment marketer, your job is to ensure that prospective students find what they are looking for as quickly as possible. Squiz is the secret friction reducer that schools across the globe are using to not just attract students like my brother Nick, but actually to nurture them to the point of enrollment in a way that is conducive, not counter to, how they consume information and make purchasing decisions. To learn more about Squiz's secret sauce, head on over to enrollify.org forward slash Squiz, and be sure to start your research with their search bar. 
All right, guys, take care and enjoy this week's episode. Well, Mickey, we did it. We made it through a, another week, and I am calling you bright and early this morning from San Diego. It's 6 a.m. here, 6.22 a.m. to be exact, um, and I'm still still waking up, but i um, happy that it's the end of the week. How are you doing? Oh, it's a, it's a great week. You know, it's, it's amazing how much can change in a week. You know, if you recall last week we were talking and you were kind of stuck in the midst between snowstorms and <laughs> wolves running through your yard, no internet, and now you're in beautiful San Diego, no humidity, warm temperatures, um, no wolves, uh, you know, uh, yeah. and, and you sent the snowstorm my way so that uh, here in Pennsylvania, I got 20 inches of snow. That's the beginning what, of the week. Yeah, I I heard um, that <laughs> the the whole East Coast got uh, got hammered. Um, I know my colleagues out in D.C. Uh, were thankful to finally get like a little bit of snow that they could actually uh, let their kids, you know, and dogs play in. So my my uh, social yeah. feeds were flooded with uh, you know photos of children and dogs running amok in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it's it's fun to see our kids have been. Um, playing in it every day, sledding and stuff, uh, since, since we got it, of course, this, this amount of snow, we'll have this, you know, till April probably, but, um, you know, remnants at least on the ground till April, but it'll be, you know, it's interesting to see, I mean, I shoveled, we did not use a snowblower this go around, um, and you know, 20 inches, that's a lot to shovel, but that was my exercise for the week. Wow. There you go. There you go. Hey, how's your back doing? I, every time I shovel snow, like it's just, I, I, it makes sense, but it's always like the next day I'm like, oh my gosh, my back feels like it's completely locked up and I can't do anything but like stay in bed. Well, Zach, you're a young fella. I know, so, which is which is know, if terrible. If you're feeling that and way I, now, I work uh, out. I'm like, what? what you the know, hell? when like, you're my age, you're going to be in trouble. No, I, bro- I so I broke it up in the three different. So um, Sunday night, um, I shoveled maybe six inches, uh, maybe another. 11 inches Monday night. I was out for three hours Monday night doing it. And then Tuesday afternoon, um, doing the, the, whatever's left the last four or so inches. But, um, so what I find is when you're sore like that, if you, the way I did it a little bit, a lot, a little bit helped because the third little bit helped get through the soreness of the big one in the middle. So, um, I, I really wasn't that sore, um, this time. Wow. Well, just Glad have to, to hear. push through, man. Glad to Anybody hear. that works out, and I'm not one of them. Let me say, be clear, I am not. Anyone that knows me is laughing if they hear me say that because I'm not someone who works out. But, you know, I, I know that my friends who do, you just have to push through the pain. Push through the pain, yep. Or you just move to San Diego where uh, snow is not a problem. <laughs> Um, <laughs> excellent point excellent point. Uh, well welcome everybody to uh this week's episode of fanatical fridays our goal each week is to discuss the traits the strategies and the tactics that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack and got several things that we want to chat about this morning um but mickey if it's cool with you i actually want to uh share something that is i think related but i'll look to you to maybe like uh connect this to to uh, our audience and the purpose of this segment um this could just be one of those things that like zach is really excited about that nobody else is which is uh which is entirely possible but um 
I'll at least explain why I think that this, that this is uh, interesting. So HubSpot, you know, big, uh, they're really sort of moving in aggressively to the into the CRM space and want to be known as a CRM. Uh, historically, they've been uh, a little bit more well known as sort of like a marketing automation software company. Um, in full disclosure, like we use HubSpot. Uh, I, I love HubSpot. I'm in there every day. I uh, Our parent company uses HubSpot for all of our clients. So, um, and Mickey, you guys use HubSpot too, right? We do. Okay. I started using it back in 2013. Before it was cool. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Early adopter right there. Um, anyhow, <laughs> HubSpot is, has grown dramatically over the past few years. And uh, 2020 was a huge, huge year for HubSpot um, because everyone was you know, forced, at, forced to be at home all of a sudden. And if you didn't have a CRM, you needed a CRM uh, very, very quickly. And if you didn't have good marketing tools, you all of a sudden need, needed good marketing tools quickly. And HubSpot has a free version, and that's sort of one of their claim to fames. And um, anyhow, so big, big, big software company. Now they're uh, trying to take on the Salesforce. They're by no means, uh, the sales forces of the world. They're by no means like at that level yet, but they are, they're trying to build a more user-friendly CRM, uh, experience and really sort of build a platform that is like what they say is all on one as opposed to all in one. So they're really prioritizing integrations. Anyways, they, HubSpot just announced last night that they actually acquired The Hustle. And The Hustle is, for those of you who don't know, is a media company. They have a daily newsletter that goes out um, to something like 2 million subscribers. Um, you guys might be familiar with like Morning Brew or like, uh, you know, The Skim, very much in the same vein as, as The Hustle. Um, and what I think is like particularly interesting about this is I've actually been following the hustle for, for a few years now, and I'm part of their like premium subscription group called trends and Sam Parr, who's their founder. Um, I've gone back and forth with him several different times on, on Twitter, and he's helped uh, me out with a, a personal project a little bit. So, um, anyways, I was particularly interested to see this announcement, um, because I was thinking, you know, I've been saying to some friends recently, like, why don't more CRM companies, why don't more technology companies buy media companies? Like that's that's the direction where where everything is headed. And lo and behold, HubSpot comes in and they acquire the hustle. And I, again, why, why I think that this makes a lot of sense is the audience that the hustle attracts are, you know, young entrepreneurs, uh, young business folks who are uh, either just starting out or they've recently exited the company and they're making their, um, you know, they're, they're trying to decide what their next move is. It's a very sort of like vibrant, like startup-y, but um, at the core, it's really just anyone that has like ideas will find value um, in um, really sort of like testing those ideas in, in the hustle community. So I think that this is just a very, very interesting move. And I don't think that this will be the last move. I think we're going to see more software companies actually go in and buy media companies and then allow these companies to have freedom to, um, you know, be sort of like, uh, ha have like editorial freedom so that these companies don't have to rely so much on ad revenue in order to, to produce the content that they're producing. So, um, I don't know what the tie-in is to enrollment management, um, but at the very least, I think that this is just a telltale sign that 
media and content, things like podcasts and newsletters are still incredibly important, if not arguably more important than they've ever been in helping sort of like solidify your brand's value. So Mickey, uh, see if uh, your challenge is to find something um, based off of what I just shared that, that at least uh, relates somewhat to, uh, to our audience. So I'm going to, I'm going to be honest, right before uh, we hit the record button, you kind of shared that this is where you, what you wanted to intro and, and talk about. And I said, oh, I'm, sure, I'll, I can connect this. I, I like to connect ideas and people. Uh, and that's a natural thing for me. But I'm going to tell you, this one's a little tougher of, a, of, a, of an item. To <laughs> um, so, but here, here's when you were saying that. Here's kind of what was going through my mind. Um, a, uh, I kind of like the move for HubSpot um, because you know they have so much content that they have created. So, if you have ever heard of the term inbound marketing, you know. They're the ones who created that term and created the whole world that is inbound, which is, I don't know, a $10 billion industry right now based on that methodology and that approach, maybe a little less than that, six or $7 billion that they helped create. Uh, And, you know, acquiring this company probably gets them a set of people who already buy into that approach and philosophy to expand upon the content um, rather than them continually having to go out and find new people because content creators typically are going to be entry level folks that, you know, you got to do a lot of training and, and keeping them up to speed. So maybe that has something to do with it. But, you know, as I think about tying this in, you know, I, I've seen this happen once before, not, not this exact scenario, but, you know, I, I've seen an institution that had a contract firm helping them do a very specific set of work. Um, that the firm was somewhat uniquely qualified for. It was a type of IT-related work. And the school at one uh, decided at some point and said, you know what, we're just going to go buy the firm and yeah. fold them into our organization. Yeah. They don't have a wing that goes out and sells some services and makes some money and that bring, becomes our bottom line. But then it also brings and dedicates at least one of those full-time people in the firm to us exclusively. Um, and it became a good idea for them. I've also seen other nonprofit organizations buy a media company before um, um, that they use to produce one of their monthly magazines, and and the media company, you know, sold ads for the magazine. Like they bought it in, and it worked. And then that media company could also help produce other types of content for the organization as well. So I've seen that. Um, if you've got a great content writer who's a contractor, um, and you're spending a lot of money on that person. What would it be like to spend a little bit more, uh, give them benefits, and have them produce more because they're giving you all of their time? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we we have to look and and as we look at technology and content and um, social selling, which I believe will become a bigger thing. Someone asked me probably six months ago, how do, what do I think about social selling in higher ed? And I don't know. If we we can talk about that. Yeah. But um, you know, I. I what I see is schools struggling to stay on top of the amount of content they need to create in today's world. Uh, and I think, you know, this is just, a, a you know, and if we take this into a microcosm of it and say, you know what, maybe you have contractors you bring in for content. Should you be flipping those, bringing them in and making them full time so that you can better produce the content and get it at the rate and speed that you have um, or that you need? You know, we're rolling out new programs. We're rolling out new um, channels for connecting with folks. You know, to do that and to get an ROI on that, we have to then turn around content for all of that yeah. quickly. Yeah. So, 
and I mean, and what I think is like super interesting um, about this too is it's like, again, I know that the parallels aren't perfect, but um, you know, when I think about schools and I think about there is more and more and more schools that are sort of coming and saying, hey, we we are behind the bandwagon when it comes to the production and promotion of content. Like we understand that students are consuming, prospective students are consuming a ton and ton, a ton of content. And we want them to be consuming more content that is at least somewhat related to uh, our brand, our institution, our offerings. Like how do you use content as lead gen? Um, and that's sort of like been a question that people have been wrestling with for, for years now. And so, but I think what is, was interesting sort of about, of, about this approach is like, you know, what would it look like? Is it even, is it even viable for, um, uh, a school to get really creative of saying, Hey, rather than trying to like force your admissions counselors to become, you know, great, uh, content writers, or rather than force your, your marketing communications department, which is really focused on sort of like overall institutional branding to all of a sudden, like launch podcasts, like what would it look like to be able to acquire some sort of company that aligned with, again, your target audiences? Um, maybe it's, maybe it's regional, maybe it's local, I don't know, but, um, and what would it look like to bring them into the fold? And again, I think the big, the big thing here is continue to let them do their thing um, and have editorial freedom, at least to, to, to an extent um, and use that as a, as a way at the very least to just dramatically proliferate your, your brand awareness. What I think is so cool about like, like trends, which is the, the community component here is, you know, if, if a school can create, and you know, really what I'm thinking about right now is like if Zimi and a, if Zimi and a institution uh, which they would never do. But if Zimi could like be acquired by one institution or by a few institutions that sort of like went in on an agreement together, um, I think that you could get something really, really similar. Which is like you've got some, you've got an audience, you've got a, a company that really understands how to do community well and how to share ideas um, in a way that is. Uh, relevant to folks in that community. Schools try to create these communities. And I think like the problem is it's really, it's more often than not, it's like the enrollment management team or administration coming in and trying to make something happen. And no one's got expertise in how to like build and run and manage and uh, elevate communities around high school students uh, that are that are really for high school students. Um, and we keep in all these professional development, uh, you know, workshops and conferences and even just some of the stuff that we talk about, we keep trying to convince people, hey, here's how you do these things. And I, I totally believe that, like, if you're up for the challenge, you could you could do it. You can make it happen. But in another just interesting route to consider is, like, what if you took a totally different, uh, totally different route and thought about what it would look like to bring in a team of, of uh creators who already knew how to do these things um so maybe this is a terrible idea but that's i don't know that's just where my head is at right now well it's not a bad place to be you know i'm looking at you know this point in the, in the year we're looking at uh, as usually am technology uh especially from the sales side or the admissions side of things and you know we're seeing how people are using this at scale and the challenges in the walls that they, you know, come up against when they're doing that and how they support it and not having the right adequately trained, experienced and educated resources 
to get through the, over the hurdles or to bust through the hurdle um, is, is a big problem. And, you know, finding ways, whether that's taking a contractor that can help you with your uh, CRM issues and bringing them on full time uh, and making that commitment is part of the step. Um, you know, so whether it's content holding you back, whether that's technology or being able to use the technology holding it back, finding what that is and dedicating the right resources to it, whether that means uh, bringing on another contractor or taking, you know, your current contractor and rolling them into a full-time position. That is a thing. And I've seen some institutions make some um, interesting moves on how they support technology like that recently. Um, interesting, I'll just say what I would perceive to be negative moves, um, you know, and I know why they're making it. And, and I'm looking at, you know, a lot of research right now on how people are, are spending or looking at technology. And, and I see it, you know, I always look at if in the business industry, you know, what's happening there will trickle down to higher ed in about five years. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so maybe what we're talking about in the, in this, this buyout thing is, is five years in the making in higher ed. But, you know, one of the things I also see they're talking about is um, technology stack and looking at how people keep buying small solution after small solution after small solution, all stacking on top of uh, your CRM or other product. Uh, and it just creates a, um, a wild west mentality in terms of spending. And I see, um, you know, technology not being used anywhere near it could be, not coordinating with IT. So we've got, a, or, or not necessarily even coordinating with IT, not having any real coordination across campus to have a real vision for what the technology needs to do, Yeah, uh, you know, is an issue. But, you know, what the other thing I'm going to do, and I'm pivoting, I'm, this is a segue. Please, please take uh, us. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, looking at, uh, I'm still sticking with technology, but looking at you know, how, how we're using it in the business world. What I was just, we, we were talking about this. I was reading this article with sales stats. So they've interviewed a few hundred salespeople and looking at what's happening, what's not, you know, and when we look at what they would call sales enablement technology, the use of that type of technology, and we'll define that in just a second, but the use of it in the last three years has gone up by 567%, wow. which is a big, big number. And if we, also look at, well, if that's happening now in that world, what does that mean for us in higher ed and will that trickle down? And I'm going to say it will trickle down. And that sales enablement technology are the components that are are the newer features of functionality. I see a lot of CRM companies in the higher ed space adding and creating now, or where I see other schools going and buying tools that sit on top of CRM. Um, and that's where you start looking at something like an admit hub, um, or Signalvine, some of these texting tools and chatbots, things like that, that are enabling um, your sales team, um, which might be your admissions counselors, it might be some of your enrollment marketers, it might be your student callers or student ambassadors, your tour guides, which we talked about last week, all of those, your social influencers, you know, pulling those people together and then in bringing in more relational type technologies that support the CRM. Um, to do what it needs to do or allow you to better predict and understand what's happening with your prospective student pipeline. Uh, uh, and, and looking at just how that's grown and yeah. looking at yeah. the wide and looking at what's and what companies and soon to be schools spend per sales person on their technology and seeing how that grows is, is significant. And then I also saw in this survey, and this was done at the end of 2020, 97% 
of the companies um, interviewed said they were going to spend the same or more this year wow. in technology. 50% said the same, 47% said more. That's incredible. That's a that's a jump. That is. And and I and I'm starting to see institutions do that in invest, not necessarily just in sales. We're uh, I'll say they're adding we, that's when we're starting to cross over to student success as we think about tutoring, as we think about call centers and support um, systems and uh, advising teams, adding that technology to help them improve how they provide service. Which is kind of what HubSpot did, you know, when you think about what HubSpot has grown, they had their marketing automation, then they tried to make it more of a sales CRM, or they didn't try, they did. And now they've added on a service hub to it, uh, so that you can better track and retain and and help your uh, customers and current clients succeed. And so that's kind of the evolution of what I'm seeing in higher ed. Yeah, no, I I see that as well. And one of the things that is... uh, I, I, this is probably not like new, but um, something I've just finally like observed or paid attention to. Um, <clears throat> the number of people in in higher ed who like have now titles like slate specialists or um, you know th- literally the the roles that people are hiring for at some of these schools are like brand specific to a piece of technology and like i in the past week i've seen three different people with job titles that were literally uh um slate specialists or like slate onboarding um or slate like solutions specialists or something like that but these were like full-time employees at the institution like these aren't like contractors right and um what's fascinating to Mm -hmm. me about that is again maybe that's not too too surprising maybe that's very very normal but like when i think about like um just from an institution's perspective like the the rate at which software changes and the rate at which like uh new technology is needed um and or should be leaned into is just so rapid that like i can't imagine ever hiring somebody again maybe everyone's gonna laugh at me and get all these terrible comments afterwards (laughs) but i can't imagine like why would you put somebody in a full-time role and give them a title about one platform. Like I, 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 I don't understand that Mickey, like help me understand, like why do schools, why do like, why include the brand of a CRM that you happen to be using today and make like a role, like a full-time, like multiple full-time roles out of just the support and implementation of that one tool that just seems like so limiting um in terms of like uh, it's almost like destiny setting in a way of like oh no 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 okay like so when this guy leaves like this you know gal leaves we need another you know slate specialist it's like no what you need is you need a marketing you know you need technologists right like you need people that can solve interesting problems and really bring to the table hey you know these are the different solutions that we should think about and consider. And and maybe that's what like the CIO or CTO does. Um, but anyways, I don't know. I, I, I just, I feel like when it comes to how higher ed thinks about technology, it's very limited and very linear. And I think like it needs to be much, much broader. Like the question isn't just, Hey, how does this, how do we make this work in slate? The question should be, how do we make this work? And then, you know, what are the appropriate software tools and, and other technology that we need in order to pull this off? Well, <clears throat> I agree and disagree. Please. I love, um, I love when you I do. think so, um, it depends on the role that you're hiring for. 
Um, if it is an in the weeds person, um, a true CRM admin type person, um, and I have Slate, I'm going to probably put Slate in the title, if for no other reason than to ensure that I'm attracting people who know Slate. Because I need someone who can come in and pick it up. Because I don't have, usually in that scenario, I don't have a team. I've got one person sure. that I need to know Mr. Slate. And if they come in with some other CRM background, they're going to need time to get up to speed on that. And I don't have time for that. So I want that specific experience. In terms of making it an agnostic and knowing the strategy, that is a gap. That is a very common gap. <clears throat> Excuse me. I see schools that have CRM directors, but those are really just managers of a CRM team, yeah, not yeah. necessarily someone who fully understands the strategy. We've not in higher ed gotten to that point to bridge that gap, at least often. Uh, and that's really where I and my team typically come into play a lot of times. And I'm happy to find something else to do if everyone goes in this because I think <laughs> it's really, really important. I always say if, if, if everyone learns to do this and can take it on their own, I will happily go find something else to do. I'll find another gap, learn it and plug that hole. Absolutely. But that is a, um, and it's not something you know, that typically have infrastructure or knowledge to think of how do we holistically look at technology uh, and I don't mean necessarily look at our students our student technology when you don't have that seven or eight minutes it's got all these little point solutions sitting on top of things knows what's happening I, I've got clients who've got two and three different I don't know why you have texting tools other than the fact that you've got silos where people don't want to work together, don't like a specific piece of technology work, or ego gets in the way because I wasn't consulted when they. Hello. All right, friends. I think we lost Mickey there. I'm going to go ahead and pause this and hopefully he jumps back on Mickey there. Well, as he is reconnecting, um, he was basically talking about how many different inefficiencies that exist within uh, education uh, technology and how schools think about their software and tech. Um, Mickey, it looks like he is rejoining on Zoom now, folks. So, um, give us just yeah, sorry. Oh, there you are. You, you got a little. You got a little uh, choppy, and then yeah. you just. I said Mickey. Oh, I got carried away. In you got, my, you in got my, so carried away. I had to shut you up. I had to be like, nope. My computer shut me down. It didn't like where I was going with that. Uh, my CRM <laughs> jumped in, and took over, and cut the internet connection. Uh, what? Where did? Where did you lose me? And I so we, pick it up. we we lost you right as you were talking about sort of like the inefficiencies and silos that exist um, with respect to yes. how schools think about technology. Yeah, and and. Um, so, and I've seen this multiple times on campus where you see a particular type of solution. And I'll just say texting because that's the most recent one I came across where a campus had two different texting tools. Why do they get to that point? And it's the, that's where the silos come into play. Um, that they, you know, I wasn't included um, when they went out to get uh, look at that. So I'm going to go out and get my own. Or we've gotten, and they're only using it for that. I, it never even crosses my mind that maybe I could potentially use it. Or it does cross my mind, and I'm upset about them getting that without talking to me. So I'm just going to go out and get my own thing. It happens. It happens more than it should. Um, and for those bad and poor reasons. Um, but we because we don't have 
the person on, on campus with the vision and the understanding of all that they do. And it's growing at a pace that IT can't keep up with this and understand all the various things and, yeah. and also understand the strategies of why an advising team needs to be able to text, have a specific texting tool, or why, why do you need this other email program? Uh, Banner can email. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And you know, if I take out that, uh, compute laptop in the corner there that still has windows 95, it will turn on. Doesn't mean you can use it. Um, apologies to banner fans out there. No, um, no, no. That are but, but, but Mickey, this is, this is like super important because like, I, I think, uh, especially for, for younger folks who are in enrollment marketing right now, I think that this is sort of like the big frustration. I was talking, I had a conversation with um, a somebody who is an assistant director of admissions at a well-known, like large public school. And she was just explaining to me how she literally, she cannot use the tools that she needs in order to, she, she's like, look, I know I need HubSpot and I know I need Mongoose. And because of other tools that exist within the institution already that, by the way, do not do the things that HubSpot or, or barely do the things that HubSpot and Mongoose uh, do, um, she can't. She has the budget for it, so it's not. It's not a budgetary problem. It's just a, a policy problem. Like the school will not uh, adopt more software, and like I think that this is one of the challenges for for institutions and leadership is like, uh, or excuse me, people in leadership within an institution is like, you cannot just because something exists. Like I, I understand you. You can't have every piece of software, and and tech is very, very. It's ever changing and growing, and there needs to be sort of like like legitimate strategies involved in onboarding and integrations and whatnot. And all that is super, super important. But to, to have like a policy that just because you have tools that might do something that will take, you know, that does five to 10% of what a HubSpot or a Mongoose does, should, it shouldn't just be a foregone conclusion that you cannot use those tools. Like that is the wrong approach to thinking about how to empower your teams to do what they need to do, which is increase enrollment. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's not an easy decision. Another reason schools don't make it uh, because it's tough and it requires um, addressing the elephant in the room a lot of times, um, you know, and and do we accommodate a person or a team? And to what extent do we consider um, accommodating that person versus other people who may have other similar technology or have a similar need as we're looking at technology, but the tool that marketing wants doesn't necessarily meet the needs that enrollment wants and is there another tool that can give both of them to get that can be used as one that can give them 80 percent of what they both want yeah yeah i mean and, to, and, to, and that's where it gets tough because you and i like hubspot but from the <laughs> higher perspective hubspot from an admissions team hubspot's not necessarily great unless i know i never need an online application because yeah. that tool at least as it's has been up to today is not great for that. Yeah. Uh, and it is the hardest part for schools who've liked that tool, embracing it more widely. Now they're starting to open up that platform so that their partner firms can do more developing on it. Uh, and which may allow you to create an, an online application. When, and, and there's, we can talk more about that some other time, but, um, but you know, that, you know, so, so taking that where uh, HubSpot could be a great option for a marketing firm, not for admissions. Well, can I replicate that with the Salesforce with Pardot? Yeah, I can get part of it, not all of it. Maybe I can get eighty percent of that, um, and and then you can say, well, you know, that's the decision. 
it's not necessarily going to be make everyone jump for joy. Somebody's going to lose in what they want in the requirements. But then how do I go forward with that and then build a strategy around um, what I have and maximize? Because realistically, if I give you HubSpot with everything that you want or Salesforce with everything you want, you're not using 100% of it. No, no, no. And so if we really look at, uh, you know, if, and, and if honestly, if you're using 70%, wow, that's impressive. So, you know, of the 30% you're not using, you know, if I made you use just one of those tools, would you get what you need out of the 70% you will realistically use? Yeah, I mean, and and uh, to circle back to our conversation last week, I think that ultimately where this starts is like having the internal team necessary and having sort of like really the, the guidance and education and, and framework through which to build like a really, really clear RFP um, and to help you know, better understand internally, okay, what do you actually need? And why do you need it? And then sort of evaluate uh, your entire tech stack, the RFP that I was uh, complaining about last uh, on our episode last week, the the school literally had eight different uh, platforms that did very, very similar things. And they were unhappy because not a single one of those platforms were they using beyond the, you know, 10 to 20%. And therefore, they weren't getting the value out of it. Um, and so they were looking for, you know, another platform that would, that would be like the solution to their, to their challenges. And like, part of me just wanted to say to them, like, look, you know, you got to get your ship in order. Like, uh, you, you got to write the ship. Like this is the problem is not the tool or the platform. It's really in like, what do you actually need? Um, and what do your other stakeholders actually need? And then how do we go about sort of like finding the solutions and then establishing very, very clear lines of demarcation between, okay, this tool is going to do this thing. This tool is going to do this thing. And here's how they're going to talk to each other. So, um, excellent, excellent points. Um, and I know we're, we're running short on time. So I think we should definitely be able to come back on this, but, um, those are excellent questions. It's what, you know, we have committed ourselves this year to spend a lot of time thinking about, um, I'll call it audit for lack of a better term. You know, how do we assess and look at what, what is the baseline for based? If I come in and look at your institutional strategies, what is the baseline of functionality you need to have for today? And what do you need to have in the next six months to prepare you for tomorrow's strategy so that you're not, paying for bell 12 bells and 10 whistles and using two bells and three whistles yeah. you know let's let's help you understand you know here are the three bells and three whistles you need to use right now and we're going to give you you know or here's what not necessarily give you but here's what you here are the additional two bells and two whistles you need for next year let's set those priorities and do that that is you know it is something that's that's missing um and 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 you you almost um Caught me off guard there when you were talking about getting your ship together. Um, <laughs> that too. That was intentional. <laughs> that was like, what did he say? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that you, if you want to write the ship, I mean, you have to know what those true requirements are for today. Um, so I'll, I'll pause there. Yeah. We uh, pause. And so we can pick this up, but it, it is a conversation that should be continued. Um, it is a conversation that hopefully, maybe if nothing else, if we have this, we can inform others on how they can have the conversation on their campus because it is really important as we look at, we know, 
I can, I can promise you this. Schools are only going to be increasing the types of uses they have in technology. And if we don't have a plan in place on how to accommodate that with our existing technology or understand that it cannot do it and we need to look elsewhere, they will add their own small pieces of technology. You know, the visionary people, the folks that need to have the plan and put it all together need to not be a barrier need to understand what needs to happen for today and for tomorrow and ensure that what technology you have will do that. And if it doesn't, find alternatives to it. Because if you don't, you put people in a hole and they panic and go find point solutions that that do not help you for the long term. Love it. So much more here. We'll pick this up um, next week or, or at a later point. But hey, last thing, I just think that the, the connection right at the beginning is that we, we were talking about HubSpot, which is a technology platform uh, that's very much interested in being known as a CRM company. And then we had a whole conversation about uh, CRMs and software and tech in, in higher ed. So I, I think that that's a, a fair connection. Uh, well, we well, <laughs> tied it together. <laughs> barely, it barely. Together. Um, <laughs> but as always, thank everyone. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, let us know if you have any comments, feedback, um, or if there are specific topics that you'd like us to chat about. Mickey, sir, thank you for your time, and we'll chat next week. Thank you, Zach. Take care, everyone. Talk next week. Mm-hmm.